Kia ora everybody and welcome to episode 46 of the Stad Raw. It's a pleasure to sit down with Brian Sanders from Foodlines at foodlines.org on Twitter and also host of the Peak Human podcast. Brian has made a film, Food Lies, funnily enough, and it follows on the movie uh, The Magic Pill by Pete Evans and also fits into the genre with the upcoming Vinnie Tortorich film, Fat. Um, and Vinnie's a big advocate for no sugar, no grain. So what Brian does is he goes into all those sort of lies that you've been told, whether that's kettle, whether that's a vegan diet or grains, heart-healthy grains and fruit juice are healthy. Um, these are lies, of course. <laughs> and also that cattle are bad for the environment just to name a few here has a plethora of guests a couple who have been on this podcast in fact sean baker Ivor cummins uh just to name a couple um so it should be a great film this is a great chat that we have we go over many things ancestral eating um the current science a couple of the food lies that i just talked about um, and also we go into Brian's background, how he ended up making films, his, his background in engineering and podcasting, um, making movies, tech. And uh, it's all a reason why this film should be really good. Brian's a obsessive personality and when it comes to food lies, as he said, he's spent the last little while absolutely obsessing, thinking every day about how we can present this story bigger and better for everyone. Uh, make sure you head on to his website, which we have links in the show notes, foodlies.org. Donate to the um, film so they can get it finished, get it edited, and we can see what's going to be a great uh, piece of art and hopefully be a bit more informative than some of those other films, which we won't name. Anyway, let's get into the podcast. Thank you very much for all the feedback from our last episode with Alex Pohl. It's awesome to hear from you. Glad we uh, made an impact with that chat. Um, and so now time for another one. Hope you enjoy. Kia ora, everybody. Welcome to this episode of The Stag Raw. I'm super pumped to be sitting with Brian Sanders, the director of a film that's going to be coming out soon, hopefully, Food Lies. Brian, what did you do on the weekend, mate? Yeah, uh, actually this weekend I went to Palm Springs, so I'm here in Los Angeles, so it's a kind of like a two and a half hour drive and there's a birthday party out there, so I hung out for the weekend. Nice. What do you do in Palm Springs for a birthday party? Uh, well, they rented this big house with a pool and you just barbecue and, and go in the pool and it's you know nice and hot out there, so it was great. Sounds awesome, man. Um, we talked about this via email and, and you kind of double-checked what I meant by this question. Who is Brian Sanders today? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, really, I was searching for that my whole life. You know, I started as a mechanical engineer and I started in film actually growing up. Then I started as a mechanical engineer in college. Then I got into tech and I was always trying to like figure out like what am I interested in? Like what is my deal? You know, and trying different things out. And I actually finally figured it out with this whole film stuff and this nutrition stuff. So really, I'm, I'm just all about just spreading this health information and, and living this healthy life and 
providing content for people to do the same. So really that, that's like the whole focus of my life. Like I, I wake up thinking about it. I wake up in the middle of the night thinking about, you know, little ideas for the movie or like a graphic I can do in the film or, you know, some kind of new message that I could send out over social media or whatever. So yeah, that's just, it consumes me for the past year. It's all I think about. So I guess that's me. <laughs> awesome, man. There's, there's the point of what resonates with me because when I go to sleep thinking about different things and wake up to thinking about different things and go to the gym thinking about different things. So there's, there's the uh, resonance. Um, you said you've come full circle back to filmmaking. How did you sort of maintain your creativity? And now, of course, you're making films, you're making a podcast. And what, what other creative outlets do you have that keep that creativity alive? Well, yeah, I've always been had side projects and my whole life is just just building things. And that's why I went into engineering or creating things. Or I, I took a break for a while because um, I had so many computer uh, injuries from working on the, you know, uh, overuse injuries and I couldn't work. And then I started doing art and I sold some paintings around LA and uh, I was in an art show and I don't know. It's, I guess it's my parents helped. My, my dad was very artistic and my mom was very mathematic and we, I just kind of cultivated that my whole life. So just always, always use your spare time wisely, I guess. <laughs> just creating something. Absolutely, we've got similar upbringings. Except mine's the reverse. My my dad's a physicist, uh, come engineer, and my mum she's also a science. She was a lab technician, but she is also very arty. So, yeah, nice. Um, food lies, mate. You, you've sort of got the the title that much of what you've been told about food is wrong. That's probably yeah. pretty pretty uh, much of a letdown for most people. Uh, <laughs> you. you also go further to say that the past 50 years with the, the sites has been a bit wishy-washy. What's, what's your take on that as a summary? Well, yeah, it's funny because in 2018, we're finding that almost everything's opposite of what <laughs> we've been told. It's seriously like on every single account. Some people can't believe it, that it's so opposite, like even down to salt, right? That like everyone's saying salt is bad their whole life. And, I mean, there's no evidence that that's bad. It's bad for middle-aged men who already have hypertension. You know, like they did, the studies they did were, you know, on that. And then they recommended that for the whole United States and then, you know, trickles to the world. Then, you know, fiber. We thought we needed fiber. We, you know, I've heard different stories about, oh, we studied some African populations and they ate a lot of fiber and they're healthy. So we just said everyone has to eat fiber. And Well, you know, there's no evidence for that. And there's plenty, there's thousands of people showing that you need zero fiber, all the carnivores. So even those small things, but of course the big ones are cholesterol. Eating cholesterol is somehow bad for your health or like gives you heart disease. That's totally bogus. Saturated fat is bad for you is obviously bogus. Um, meat is bad. That's my biggest one. I, I just hate the vegan agenda, just pushing it out there. I mean, I get they have these moral views, but they're you know, they're hurting people's nutrition by spreading their propaganda. So that whole meat is bad is, is, you know, obviously so stupid because, you know, humans have been eating meat for millions of years. And the environmental stuff is something I do address in the film as well, because, you know, they do have some points there. So we have to figure that out. And we actually have been figuring it out. 
And the more I research it, the more I realize that the way we're doing um, meat production in the U.S. is actually really efficient. And it's actually not that bad. I mean, vegans will love to, you know, show you some video of some, you know, the worst case scenario where some cows are like jammed together. And really, you know, that's not even how it is. Like that, that's probably when they were just feeding them. Like when they feed them, then they all group together and then they snap a photo of the worst where it looks like they're the most condensed. They actually have a lot of room to walk around. They actually have vets on premises at all times in these feedlots. They're getting a well-formulated diet by PhDs. Like it's in the best interest of the farmer to keep these cows happy, right? They're trying to make a good product. And so there's just tons of myths around that. And I think that most of the food lies really are around meat. And uh, I mean, really, saturated fat. I mean, that's because it's in meat. I think it all, it all started about 150 years ago where we started demonizing meat. I don't know if you've gotten into that story at all. Yeah, I was about to say um, that Seventh-day Adventist, you know, yeah. meat gives you cancer, it'll kill you. Um, it's, it's not great. <laughs> yeah, the Gary Fecky, right? Yeah, he's right. he's over by you. Yeah, yeah. It's um, and and he it, talks about it a lot, and especially for Australia, or like you know, Tim Devin is setting up dietitians associations in the states and and all that sort of stuff. But then when it comes to Australia, they they sort of and New Zealand, they sort of came came to these countries, set up. Uh, printing presses set up uh, universities set up schools set up um, the dietitians associations and basically created a way to channel a marketing system for Kellogg's and sanitarium and and you know I, th- I thought New Zealand was reasonably bad um, you know our all blacks are sponsored pushing wheat bakes and I suppose it's the same in, in the states with different different cereal brands but then they come to Australia and, and the dogma around grains and and fat and all that sort of stuff is just remarkable. Um, yeah, it's sad. And yeah, and then they own so much of the media here in the U.S. as well. That all the printing presses and and radio stations and TV stations, so many of them are Seventh Day Adventist and just pushing that message still. Yeah, was, one of the things that um, amazed me, I heard Joe Rogan talking to um, Kevin. Can't remember his last name. He's a, he's a comedian, and he was saying about how he had uh, had a heart attack, and then he got raced to a, to mm. a hospital. Kevin Smith. That's the Kevin one. Smith. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And he was like, "I got raced to a hospital, and I got a stent put in." And I was like, "Oh bugger, that's that's not really been shown to be that good anymore." And then I changed my diet to be vegan, and then he goes, he was talking a bit more about veganism and I was with the best cardiologist in the world. And then he, then he said, said the buzzword is that it was the Adventist hospital. And I was like, ah, oh, there we go. <laughs> there we go. Yeah. I listened to a podcast with him and I, my goal is to get him on a podcast one day and, and sort of tell him what's, what's real. And that, yeah, I mean, I can't understand why a vegan diet works. It's not, you know, it's not ideal and it's not, I, but I know why it works, right? It kind of fits into this like unifying theory of nutrition, which I've been trying to talk about and we'll talk about in the film. But yeah, it, it's almost like a hack state. It's like humans evolved. When, we, when our environment failed us and we couldn't get a hunt, whether it was because of the weather or the, the whole climate in general or the geography of where we lived, and we couldn't get an animal, then we had to rely on plants and, you know, 
some potatoes or tubers, stuff like that. And we did that temporarily. And so our, our bodies evolved to handle that temporarily, but that's not what we're supposed to be doing. And so these vegans, this, you know, he spent this whole t- podcast talking about how amazing this vegan diet was. And it's like, well, that's just a hack state. That's not ideal. We need animal products for proper nutrition, much more bioavailable, all the stuff that you guys know. So, Yeah. And, and you say about how the image of, of feedlot is, is when they're feeding. And actually, if you look at it, the reason why they've got their head poked through something and eating out of a trough is so that, one, they're all separated so they don't beat each other up. Two, so that they don't soil the food that they're eating. And three, so it's easier to clean up the, the waste. And then, like you say, they then go off to a big space <laughs> that's yeah. interactive and all that sort of stuff. Yeah, it's it's not a problem at all. I mean, the problem maybe when, when they go to slaughter and maybe if they see, you know, the next animal in front of them getting killed, but they, they figured that out too. They have like curved tunnels where, you know, they can't see the next animal or, you know, there, there's ways to do this where it's very humane and I don't know what else the alternative would be. They're just going to die somehow. I mean, <laughs> yeah, the, the, the argument of, of go watch, watch an animal die in the wild is, yeah, then, then see how your heartstrings go is, is, is pretty high. You also said about the information coming out in those videos and, and you've talked to Joel Stellaton and, and Peter Ballasted and, I've, I've sort of just come across those guys too and just through Sean Baker and mm-hmm. the best piece of information that I saw they put up the other day was the, the 40% greenhouse gases from, from cattle, which is absolute rubbish and in the U S it's more like 2%. And, and, yeah. I, and I know in New Zealand they're, in Australia, they're pushing for, you know, pushing big to get reductions in, 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 one of their biggest industries um, based on these bogus numbers. Um, what, what else is there sort of out there? Oh yeah. Well, those numbers, that's so funny because those numbers were retracted. So the, it came out the livestock's long shadow was a report that the, the FAO put together and the scientists I saw, I, I have the article saved somewhere. It's a, it's from the a UK newspaper, but they publicly retracted <laughs> that statement that it was somehow more greenhouse gases than transportation industry. When they admitted that they took every single input possible from animal production, and then all they took was tailpipe emissions for transportation. So it's absurd. And so it's actually the opposite, right? I mean, you know, transportation obviously is way more if you count all the um, everything. So that 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 was a big one to me which is funny because a whole movie was made this cowspiracy movie was made based on that one study that was retracted and so i think it's so funny it's like okay that this movie is meaningless now yeah and these are the same guys that came on to make what the health <laughs> uh, that was that was an a- absolute disaster what the health um and yeah like Live in, go live in a city and endure greenhouse emissions and then go look at a paddock of, of animals. <laughs> it's, yeah. It just, it just makes you scratch, scratch your head that's, all the time. It's funny. Well, what the hell? I mean, that's why I started making this film. So <laughs> once I saw that, I realized something needs to be done. Yeah, do, you think, so. do you think you're part of the, the kickback for those films? Like 
the magic pill came out this year and, and we've been lucky to speak to Pete Evans and then um, Vinnie Daudrich is also bringing out fat as well. Do you think you, you, you've been all motivated by the same thing? <laughs> Maybe. Yeah. I, I don't know. Cause I didn't know magic pill was in production and, and, and yeah. And then I think Vinnie and I were on the same page around the same time. I actually almost made food lies with Vinnie. Right. I, uh, <laughs> I met with him. Yeah. I met with him last year and we had a few meetings and it was, and then we kind of just, we, I think it was too many cooks in the kitchen, right? We were the two guys and we had our own ideas. So we kind of just each found our own team and made it separately. Uh, it's, I think it's a good thing. <laughs> um, the yeah, there's more, more films out there, you yeah. know, like we'll take different angles on it and yeah, I think it's good. And I mean, there's actually a couple more really. I think, um, yeah, that, that bigger, faster, stronger guy, or the, the, the oh, Mark yeah. film. Yeah, Mark yeah. I yeah. heard him talking about a film. Yeah, that, I think that's another one that Sean Baker's going to be in. Do, do you think, going back to like the, the stats and, and, and the science and the headlines, that that's part of the problem with, with our food and why there are so many lines is because um, studies get so sensationalised, the statistics around them is sort of I don't know, made to look, better than it is and then a lot of the time statements then get retracted but it's too late because it's you know mm. other, like you said about the um, heart healthy grains you know that's just something that keeps getting said um do you think that part of it what a problem is yeah and it's it's just as bias everyone just thinks that that a, a vegetable-based diet is healthier it's like that's the most ingrained thing that meat is bad and vegetables are good and i think maybe the biggest push for that was in the seventies, like the late sixties and seventies in the U S like the whole hippie movement. I don't know if you guys got that over in Australia or wherever, but just this hippie movement where everyone's about green and peace and love. And that, that equated to not eating animals and that the best way to feed the world was with plants. And I, I think that's totally not true. And you know, the, it all stemmed from there, really. It was, I think it's like all these, everyone's sentiment is that, that that's what we need to do. And in the media, especially, right? There's all these people in the, the media and even in the, in the scientific community where they're, they're trying to prove this, right? It's like, it's this obvious bias where good scientists are just trying to disprove their theories or just, you know, figure things out. And then there's a certain sect of scientists especially like in the Harvard School of Public Health where a lot of these studies come out of. And these are the people that are trying to say that uh, low-carb diet, low dieting decreases longevity or that coconut oil is bad. I mean, these are the people that have this bias. It's so obvious and they are publicly vegetarian or vegan and they're still allowed to, you know, spread this, this bias. And so, yeah, it's, it's everywhere. It's, I don't know what to do about it other than to... If you slowly get the information out, then everything won't be skewed to, towards that angle. Yeah, and some of those people at Harvard School of um, Health are also sponsored by massive pasta companies. So. Oh, definitely, yeah. There's, <laughs> I don't know how people can't figure that out. <laughs> yeah, I'm just like, wait. Um, so you, you, you said about cholesterol clogs arteries, and I saw someone the other or it might have even been yesterday again debating is an egg healthy for you <laughs> and i was like i think that the caption was are we still talking about this mm-hmm. I mean, and, and fat makes you fat so 
I had a, a body impedance scan um, done on Saturday and I've actually dropped 2% from 12% down to 10% and I eat somewhere between keto and paleo, um, plenty of fat. I'm, I'm one of those people that most people look at weirdly if they saw me make breakfast and pour the bacon fat onto the top of my eggs mm-hmm. um, and there's no toast on my plate. Um, and then, of course, Sean Baker released his calcium scan. Calcium scan, yeah. Uh, a big fat zero. Um, it's it's clearly true. What other examples of, of these mm. you know, like claims and, and dogmas, what other examples do you have for the, for the alternative apart from the fact that it's come out in the British Medical Journal and, you know, cardiologists like a Sigma Ultra saying this is absolutely bogus? Yeah, well... For one, I'm going to get that in the film. So, yeah, I filmed it with Sean Baker a long time ago. But uh, now that this calcium score came out, I'm going to add that to the film or see if I can get a copy of if he could send me a video of it or something. <laughs> so that will be great. But uh, I think there's great stuff going on with, like, Nina Teichels. And actually, I think she posted one of those articles in the BMJ about it. But she, she's, you know, her nutrition coalition is is working to fight the guidelines. And she's compiled – or her group has compiled a lot of studies. So I know there's a, I have a spreadsheet of almost a hundred studies now showing this, you know, superiority of a high fat diet compared to low fat and the efficacy of it. And the, there's no, you know, negative effects. So yeah, there, I mean, it's almost a hundred studies by now. So it's just so funny that the other side is just trying to ignore them. Or especially when the Verda study came out, that they're curing type 2 diabetes, right? In 60% of patients. I love this. You know, someone was talking about it. It's like, why is this not the biggest news ever? Why is this not every, you know, news outlet and every scientist talking about it in the country? Being like, what is going on here? You know, why is this, why is this happening? Instead, it's only us talking about it on podcasts, you know, with like <laughs> a small, you know, percentage of the world who cares about it. So... The, the science is there. There's the volume of studies is there. It's yeah. It's just documentaries. A lot of people think that that's the best way to do it. And, and I agree. That's why I'm making it. But it's like, that's the best way to get the word out there because you know, it, it's like a nice 90 minute presentation of a thesis of everything you can, all the visuals, graphics, you know, animation studies, everything put together and yeah, I mean, it's, it's consumable by an average person, right? Because the average person's not going to read those 100 studies in my Excel sheet. So um, that's why I'm doing this. <laughs> you, you say about, you know, 100 studies and, and the science behind it. Um, when Nina went and talked to, in defense of uh, Professor Tim Noakes, I think she mm-hmm. took with her those 100 studies and stumped the, uh, the prosecution and they had no questions for her. Just cause, <laughs> she's like, this is... This is the facts here, mate, and I don't know what you what you guys are prosecuting yeah. him next for, but <laughs> then they, yeah, then they just not say anything. They were just like, "Well, <laughs> we're screwed. <laughs> we got nothing." This was a waste of four million dollars. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, and, and, and then you, you said my, my favorite thing, Verna Health. Like you say, you you read it and go, "Wow, holy cow, this is so effective," um, and. I'm another big fan of Jason Fogg as well. And I get all these, I'm an optometrist, I get all these patients coming in and, and they're on the insulin and their life's a misery. And okay, have, have you heard about this? They're just like, oh my God, I want to do that. And 
you know, that's, that's coming up to, to three years now. And one of the arguments people say, oh, ketogenic diets are sustainable. Well, here's three years of people doing it and they're doing it because they love it and they do it because they're getting the greatest results. And even of myself this week, we, we've sort of been eating on a budget and, and when you eat on a budget, you get a bit more carbs and I'm already I'm like, oh man, it's been three days of these meals. I, I don't feel great. And mm-hmm. Before we came to Australia, we, we were staying at my girlfriend's parents' place and it was one of, one of these sort of food preparation boxes. And again, it was, you know, Nina talks about the guidelines infiltrate everywhere. And again, these healthy meals were food guidelines and carb centric and you get two hours later and you're like, Oh, I'm hungry. Um, yeah. You know, the, one, one of the big things is something you talk about in the movie is that, that weight loss isn't about being in the gym and being active and calories in and calories out. Most of it comes down to diet and, the biggest thing about that Verda House shows is that the first 60 days where people aren't changing much of their lifestyle is when they get these massive results. What else have you got around that, man? Yeah, and that's, that's almost like the underlying theme of the movie is that, well, yeah, it's, it's all about the diet. And I, I hate the eat less, move more thing. I, I wanted to start popularizing eat densely, move intensely. <laughs> yeah, that's what I think what it's about, right? It's eat nutrient dense foods and move intensely. Like you don't need to do a ton of cardio, right? You don't need to do all this stuff. Like I like Dr. Ted Naiman. If you're familiar with him, he does these workouts. They're like 15 minutes. He's like, just do a bunch of pull-ups and push-ups. you know, like that, that that's all you need. And so I started doing stuff like that and I had great results and just, yeah, I, I think really it's about nutrient-dense foods, and I'm, I'm going into a lot of that in the film. Uh, I really like the Weston A. Price stuff. Mm. I you know, got through the nutrition physical degeneration, which was kind of a long read, but you know, really interesting. I realized that all this modern movement of paleo and stuff, not all of it, but so much of it is based on his work kind of people like if you know once you read it then you start listening to all these messages out there including my messages and it's all kind of a lot of people just come back to the stuff that he talked about you know in the 1930s and what he found with all these populations that were so healthy and he talks about nutrient density and he in he yeah he doesn't talk about a lot of exercise it's not like he's like yeah these people are active they're moving around but they're not healthy just you know, because of that, they're healthy because they're eating the most nutrient-dense foods possible. And they're doing it instinctively, right? They didn't have science, right? These are like isolated hunter-gatherer populations all over the world. And they knew by trial and error and just looking at their offspring and, and they figured out what's the healthiest way to live and eat. And I think it was so interesting that he went to you know the top of the swiss alps to to melanesia to like australia to africa and they all had these similar traditions and cultures around even uh before birth before even being married they would give the women a certain diet right to lead them up to pregnancy of this highly nutrient dense animal foods and you know like liver or uh, seafood and all this stuff like that and they knew that that's how healthy children were made. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, that I, I'm going into a lot of the history of this stuff too, or you know, evolution stuff to modern hunter gatherers in the past hundred years, and then you know, modern science. So, hitting it from all angles. 
Nice. And one of the books we've got for creating nutritious baby food for our baby, she's nearly seven months old. Yeah, it mentions Western A. Price. And um, we gave her this liver drink the other day, which was basically liver blended in broth and taste, it tasted like a liquid meat pie. And she loved it. She drank like she a heart. Oh, wow. <laughs> Nick taking That's it down. Interesting. I'm actually cooking some liver right now. I'm trying a. I'm trying to sous vide it. If you sous vide the liver, cook it slowly, and then I'm going to try to chop it up finely and then mix it in with some ground beef. Nice. Yeah. yeah. Um, goes well with bacon and onions too. <laughs> yeah, I got some finely chopped onions going in there too. Lovely. Um, and and you've got guys like Mark Scissors and Rob Wolf in the film. You, you talk back to sharing the same message ancestral health um what is what else about our ancestors do you think is, is key you know this the sapien diet you talk about on your website yeah well so i got sis and actually rob wolf i think he's one of the guys helping someone else out make a film so oh, he's sorry. one of the only guys i didn't get in it uh, i love his message though like I, I yeah i read his book recently and it's great but I mean, I think everything comes down to ancestral living, right? Our ancestors tell us everything. It's not like, I think people, I think it's so stupid when they say, oh yeah, like we're supposed to like live exactly like them or just because they did this one thing that means we have to do it. I'm like, no, not, not at all, <laughs> right? We need to fit it, fit it into our modern society. It's like, obviously we work in a job in an office or something like that. Like we're, we're not going to go hunt an animal with a spear. Like when, when you try to attack the arguments that way, I think it's so stupid, all I'm saying, and you know, what the whole sapien diet or a lot of the film is about is how do we look at what we know about them and, and apply it to our lives. And so I think, I, I think the main thing is, I guess, nutrient density. Well, they, it's just, how do I feed myself? How do I get the highest quality foods with the least amount of filler? Right. And then that's how I stay healthy. So that really is a lot of animal foods mm. and that has the most bioavailability to them. And that's what I've been finding a lot in, in research. I don't want to be anti plant foods, but it kind of seems to be that, that there's not that much to them really. When you, when you really look at it, that the nutrients that they supposedly have, you, they don't get to you. Right. They have study. Have you seen those studies? They're showing like the bioavailability, like the, this, if you're eating, Dr. Georgia E talks about this one where you're eating oysters and they have a lot of zinc in them. But then if you eat those oysters with spinach, you get less of that zinc. They can measure it. And then if you eat that with the, 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 with, I think it's beans and corn tortillas, you get zero. <laughs> zero of that zinc actually comes through. And, and I was like, whoa, wait a second. Maybe I need to rethink this stuff because I don't want to get, you know, conspiracy theory. Like some people are like, you know, in the carnivore community, they're so like anti-plants that they're trying to say no one can ever eat a plant ever, <laughs> which is kind of ridiculous. But I, it just, it's just you got to rethink the plants. And going back to the ancestors, I think it makes sense if you do little thought experiments. Like if you were a caveman and you went out and looked around at what there is to eat. What, what would you think was food? Like if you looked at like a wheat field, would you think that was food? No, you, you'd just be like, well, I don't even know what that is. Or, you know, a lot of these plants, 
you'd be like, I would get sick if I ate those leaves. But what they thought was food was animals and then I guess like fruits, Mm. right? So I guess that's the whole paleo principle, right? It's just like eat animals and fruits and, you know, tuber, like potatoes. I guess even potatoes you have to cook to uh, get the nutrients out of them. You know, if you eat them raw, they're pretty harmful. I think they're kind of poisonous. But uh, so, yeah, that's, that's, that's what I think about um, but I guess are looking to our ancestors and what to eat. And that's probably the problem with a lot of the people argue, oh, well, our ancestors' life expectancy was so average and, you know, well, they were in a very different environment. <laughs> well, yeah, and I think that stuff is skewed too because, I mean, really they found evidence that these people lived to their 80s. Uh, if they live past childhood, like a lot of them died be- between zero and five. So that brought down the average. So I don't think there's, yeah. And then they died of different things. Obviously they divide, died of infectious diseases, right. That we now have figured out, but if they didn't die of an accident or an infectious disease, then I've seen a lot of evidence that they lived into their 80s. And we've seen that too in modern hunter-gatherers that live without modern medicine and live exactly the same, and they do live very long. Yeah, and like, like Sean says, I think in, in your snippet that, you know, it's been shown that they were heavily carnivorous. They'd eat a mammoth. <laughs> that's why there's no mammoths. <laughs> that's it. Yeah, and that, that, that's probably for the longest amount of human history was just eating mammoths, like millions of years. There's that we just ate fatty meat and that was about it. And yeah, I, t- I had a great talk with a professor who studies all this stuff. Who's like really deep into a Dr. Bill Schindler. He went to study with uh, modern hunt- hunter gatherers around the world for the past year and really learned a lot about them. And he's talking about the, the way there's no such thing as a balanced diet. Like you ate what you ate is you got an animal and you ate that entire animal until it was done. And then you got a new animal. Like that's how you eat. It's you, you, you eat nose to tail, you eat all the parts of it and you eat it until it's gone. And then you start again. So. Yeah, absolutely. Um, one thing, one thing to realize is, is, you know, carbs are sugar and, and you've got people like Dom D'Agostino and Jeff Bollock saying, you know, look at, look at what carbs do. And mm-hmm. even, you know, back to Australia being so grain and carb centric, University of South Australia, which is is away from what they call the sort of sponsored University of Sydney, they put continuous glucose meters on normal people, and again, the biggest spike in, in their blood sugar was from cornflakes. Um, mm. Could you elaborate a bit more on on how is it that grains and fruit may just be to our bodies sugar? Well, and, and also, yeah. so why why that might make us fat if we're having too much of this. Yeah. I mean, it really all comes down to, yeah, the insulin. I think that's a, the biggest thing that people should talk about. Talk to Professor Noakes about this. And he's, he was, it was great in the film. He, we got some great lines from him. It's like hyperinsulinemia, like this problems with insulin and blood sugar is the root of all disease. It's the root of all the problems, right? That is where everything goes wrong. Okay. And then, so then what makes that insulin rise and that blood sugar rise? Well, high glycemic foods, like Things, especially the more refined they are, the worse. 
So that's sugar and flour, like these highly refined modern things. And that's the same thing that Weston A. Price talked about. This is when all the problems happened, when he saw these modern hunter-gatherers living perfectly healthy lives, and then flour and sugar came in and things went wrong. So the more refined it is, and I've, I actually started looking at some studies, some interesting stuff going on, where they, they can just show that the actual refinement is the problem where they look at like rodent study rodent models and say, okay, we have the same diet, but we ground this one up more. And this, these group of rodents got fatter just by that act of processing it more. So when you're looking at your insulin and blood sugar, you, you have to think the more refined it is, the, the worse it is for you. And then with fruits, it's, these fruits are very different than the fruits we used to have. Right. Mm-hmm. So that they're bred, we've bred them for thousands of years. You know, it's not just GMO, like, I don't know, it's not some like genetically modified thing. You know, it's not some conspiracy theory there either. It's just, we, we, we selected them to be juicy and sugary. So a lot of these fruits are not normal. This is not what we're used to. We're not used to having these huge surges of, of sugar from a fruit. So yeah, and then there's the debate, like, you know, the lower glycemic index stuff that doesn't raise your blood sugar as high, right? There won't be that huge spike, but it'll have a bigger glycemic load for longer that supposedly that's better. So yeah, I guess, I guess so. But I'd say just don't eat any of those carbs. So you don't raise your blood sugar at all as little as possible. So I guess the sapien diet type of thing I'm trying to promote is how can you have the least amount of blood sugar rise or, and therefore insulin for your whole life, right? And so then there's two ways to do that is don't eat foods that cause blood sugar spikes, which is basically all carbs, you know, fat and protein are, have up to a much lesser degree. And, and then don't eat as often, right? Mm-hmm. So that's uh, intermittent fasting is really big these days or condensed eating windows. And I think that's great. It's fantastic. And, and it, it works. I mean, it is awesome. So, and why it works is one, you're, you're giving your body a lot of time to not eat food, right? So you're getting all that repair and, you know, good stuff going on when your body doesn't have to process food, but you're also not giving your body tons of insulin spikes all day, right? Because you're, you're only eating a few, it's, it's like the fewer times you eat, the better almost. And then also there's another side benefit is that the fewer times you eat, the less opportunity you have to overeat, right? If you, you know, you naturally eat to satiety, right? If you sit down, you're going to eat, you know, it's not like you're going to take like two bites and leave, right? You're, you're naturally going to eat until you're somewhat full. Some people have better self-control than others. I don't. So I eat two giant meals because I know once I start eating, I'm going to eat a lot. But if you're eating twice, then you have less opportunity to overeat, right? And then you, if you eat four times, then you're eating four times until you get full. That's naturally going to be more calories. And at the end of the day, calories do matter, mm-hmm. right? Like it's, it's definitely calories in, calories out is sort of a meaningless statement. It's like, how are you getting fat? The, 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 the question is like, why are you eating too many calories, right? That's like, Gary Tobbs has, you know, a great book about that. And a lot of people talk about that. Jason Fung, I saw a great presentation that he did about that too. You know, why? That's the real question. Why are you eating too much? And a lot of that is because the, the insulin 
and the blood sugar, right? You raise your blood sugar and then it actually dips back down uh, two to three hours later. And so they, I saw a recent study that showed that lined up exactly with the self-reported satiety. So you, you have this dip in blood sugar a couple hours later. So you're hypoglycemic and then you're hungry again. And that, so that's like when your ghrelin hormone kicks in and you, it, it, you, 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 you're hungry and then self-reported at, you know, exactly this three hour mark, all the participants who ate the high carb meal said they were hungry. So yeah, basically I guess that's all, <laughs> all I'm saying is eat less times, eat in a more condensed window and eat foods that don't raise your blood sugar. That's, yeah. that's all you need to do in life. <laughs> yeah. And I take, great motivation from the work of dr bernstein and the top one group crew and they work on the the idea of small numbers cap small cabs and small insulin dosing small margin for error and you know that they sort of turn that as an artificial pancreas we've got a real pancreas and it works pretty similar you know the amount of carbohydrate and is the amount of insulin your pancreas produces versus where your blood sugar go does it go up and down and oh, now I'm hungry again, I want to go up again. Um, or does it go sort of, oh, yeah, I've got to deal with that. Yeah. I've got to deal with that. The smooth, you just yeah. want that smooth curve. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, and, you know, Jason Farm and, and um, Dave Feldman, who, who talks about cholesterol as well, another, another dude hacking, hacking cholesterol. Um, Let's talk about this freezer model. And if you've got this massive dose of insulin, well, then your freezer's locked. You're never going to be able to access your fat stores because insulin's a storage hormone. And it just blows your mind every time that I, I see it in, in practice. You know, these people on doses of insulin, they go, oh, I get my blood sugar down to 6.5 and I feel terrible. And I was like, mm-hmm. well, you, you, you've, you've already got so much insulin. You're chucking more in there. Your body goes, now nah, I'm trying to store stuff. I don't, I'm not letting you use that for energy. It's, it's, it's crazy. <laughs> yeah. I, it's so great when, when I got to the point of understanding these analogies or these models. So you have a mental model in your head of what's going on, and then you really figure things out. And I think if, if everyone in the world kind of got these mental models in their head with nutrition, I think everyone would be a lot healthier. Right. The problem is it's just it's kind of complicated or it takes a while to figure them out or you need, you know, you or I watch tons of lectures or stuff like that. So we finally, you know, really get it. But if the everyday person could get it, I think they'd realize what they're doing to themselves. And mm. um, another mental model you guys have is, is grass fed versus grain fed cows and how they look and how the meat looks. You know? Do you want to? talk about that oh yeah that actually is a is a debate that i i'm i'm not gonna say that i figured out i don't think anyone has like figured this out exactly right there's so many things going on where there's benefits to it but then there's downsides yeah right so i i think like i was saying before what we how we do the grain fed, I mean, that's only in the last third of their life, right? If they go to the feedlot, all animals spend two thirds, all the ruminants and cows spend two thirds of their life on pasture. So uh, there's, I don't see a big problem with having some grains and it's not even all grains, right? They're eating different uh, forage and, you know, like sort of grasses anyway in those feedlots. And some of it is leftover food, right? It's that we don't use. It's, it's good 
a way to recycle or reuse uh, food scraps and then some of it is grain yes but i i don't think it, it's that big a problem right so i, I go back and forth though because I, I i do promote we are touching on the film the sustainability aspect and that you know pasture raise is great and all this stuff but i think you well how we do it now is pretty efficient and i don't think the profile of the meat is that different right people talk about oh, omega-3 to omega-6 ratio in the meat from grass-fed grain-fed well meat is not a great source of omega-3 anyway mm. so you know what i mean if you, you can eat like one spoonful of like sardines and you'll get way more omega-3s than a whole steak so you, you shouldn't really care that much about this omega-3 omega-6 ratio what you should care more about is what you can afford and what and you want to be healthy and i mean i'm on a budget too right i'm trying to make a documentary there's not a lot of money flying around here so i'm yeah i'm eating ground beef you know like i'm not gonna get some grass-fed steak every day it's i it's what's healthy and it's what i can afford i'm you know eating eggs and ground beef and you know some other stuff like that it's it's I think that's a great message and Dr. Eric Westman talks about that a lot because he has a lot of experience. He, he does like very low income patients. So I, I yeah, he, I guess, yeah, he, he's just been a loud voice in that, in that movement of do what you can afford like this, you know, even if it, if it's cheap meat that's, you know, came from a feedlot, this is healthier for you than any type of carbohydrate based you know, packaged food or any other type of thing. And it's actually not that expensive to eat uh, healthy foods without carbs. I mean, I, I've done experiments where I've eaten, you know, five, $5.50 a day. You know, I, sometimes I average $7 a day. I don't think it's that hard to afford $7 a day, <laughs> right? And, you know, you just eat eggs and sardines. I, sardines are great. You eat ground beef, spinach, onions. I mean, those, you can just eat those like six things and be super healthy and super cheap. No, that's, that's awesome. Uh, yeah, again, a lot of resonance going on there, man. Um, yeah. So what's, what's to your health motivation? I find everybody has a health motivation. My, mine, I think, comes from my, my grandpa dying of type 2 diabetes, I think. And, mm -hmm. and maybe... maybe in, in my optometry practice, seeing so many unhealthy people and then those 80, 90, and even 100-year-old gems come in who are just full of vitality and going, wow, I want to be like that. Mm -hmm. what, what, what's, what's your sort of health motivation? And, and do you have a, a journey or a, or a oh, yeah. eureka moment? Or something yeah, like? kind of, a little bit, yeah. Um, so mine's like kind of four years ago. So my parents had a lot of problems. So, yeah, I mean, basically, I, I was about 30, and I lost my dad to cancer and my mom, Alzheimer's, basically. Yeah, so, so these are chronic diseases that I didn't even, at the time, didn't even realize how much they were based on your diet, right? Mm -hmm. and, and a lot of the science is coming out, and I'm very confident that it's because of diet, right? These are these modern diseases that our ancestors didn't get, and even the modern hunter-gatherers that Weston A. Price studied in the 30s didn't get. You know, no one gets these except for in these, the way, in the modern diet. So, 
that was a turning point for me. And I saw my friends kind of getting into this, you know, they're big Mark Sisson fans and, you know, reading his books and blogs and, and then I saw them getting way healthier. And so I, I kind of tried it and it, it, I kind of was like half, halfway into it and it, it was halfway working. And then, yeah, really a year ago when I went all in with this research in the film and I went all in with the cutting out, you know, grains and sugar you know, and vegetable oils for, you know, the 90% of my diet, it, I saw just amazing transformations. You know, it's my body composition. It's great. Never have been sick. I mean, I haven't been sick in four, since that happened four years ago. And it's just my initial sort of push. So, yeah, it's... It's it's really, yeah, unbelievable how how good I feel these days. So I was trying to say, you know, people, all these haters will will come at me because I'm on social media and you know in the spotlight a little bit. They'll be like, oh well, what, why, what's so bad about grains or what? You know, you guys are crazy trying to cut out a whole food group. And and one of my arguments is, hey, I don't even want to argue with you. If you could feel like what I feel like, and you know, you know what I know you wouldn't eat these foods either. And I'm not denying that carbs are delicious, right? Like, no, I'm not saying that like a donut or pizza or, you know, all this stuff is delicious. It's that they're, it's that harmful that I'm going to choose to not eat them. That's how harmful they are. So I want to make that point to people is that, uh, yeah, that they, they are that bad. And you're also can be equally satisfied eating it, different foods. Right. I, I don't see I don't think you can objectively say which is tastier, like an amazing steak or a cake or a pizza, you know, like really, I don't know. They're equally great in different ways, but they're objectively way, way different for your body. Right. One is objectively terrible and will make you feel bad probably right if you eat like a big steak you're gonna feel fine I, I you know i feel amazing i feel like i can go work out right after eating and then if i eat a big piece of cake i'm gonna feel miserable for like a couple hours just all that sugar so yeah yeah no I, it's i think also going this way of eating really like you say you feel so good that when you go back you're like did i i did feel that crap <laughs> <laughs> yeah like this is my everyday life before what was i doing but it, 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 yeah it's, it's 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 pretty pretty eye-opening i guess and 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 you're right you know people going back to verda you know why why are these people now three years deep it's because they feel amazing <laughs> and especially for a lot of them that come from being overweight come from having you know high blood sugars being on insulin and just feeling rubbish so now they don't need any of that. Heaps of them are even off everything. And like I said, 60% of them are clinically reversed their type 2 diabetes. <laughs> that's, yeah. That's uh, funny. Yeah, they try to say it's not sustainable. That's It's, it's just so funny. It's just, it just didn't work for you. You didn't do it correctly. <laughs> yeah. Which, which I guess is, is you know, that's, that's the vegan argument. And how, how do you think that, you know, both you and I, we avoid our cognitive dissonance and you know that the with making a film like this you're just going to get oh you're just you're just denying what what the the vegan thing is or or you're just as bad as as what the health and and 
you know, and, and mm. that was that was the thing about Magic Pill, you know, in Australia they tried to get it pulled off Netflix, which was absolute rubbish. But mm-hmm. you know, how do what do you sort of say that you know you're just you're just as bad yeah. as, as as the propaganda you're you're creating, you know, yeah, keto propaganda or paleo propaganda or carnival propaganda. No, that- <laughs> no, that's a great question because I, I thought a lot about that because I've questioned myself that for a while. And then I always try to recalibrate and make sure that I am not just doing that. Right. So I've thought a lot about this and I, and I'm very confident that I'm, I'm not just doing that because it's based on science for one thing. Right. So I always check myself and then I, and then I, think about it and, and look and I I'm confident that it's all science backed. So that's one thing. And two is I'm not going to just show one side. I think that's the biggest thing. So the magic pill, I also tried to purposely look up criticism of the magic pill, mm. right? I sought out, you know, Reddit forums or something where they were saying, Oh yeah, it's just a propaganda piece, but on the opposite side, like you said, or, this is just, yeah, they're trying to make these insane claims that you're going to eat. You're going to eat like meat for like 10 minutes and cure autism. It's like, yeah, I don't want to do that. So I'm not going to make any bold claims, right? I'm going to kind of just always say, Hey, this is what we see in the scientific literature. We've seen, you know, this, you know, this thousands of, of anecdotes that, that people have gotten healthy, but, and then another thing, is show both sides of the story. And so why, why I call it the unifying theory of nutrition is that it can, there are ways to do things that can work on different kinds, kinds of diets. And that's why I, I called it the, it's at the different metabolic state. It's like if we, if our environment failed us, we had this different way of living. So I'm going to address it, which magic pill didn't do and what the health doesn't do. They don't address the other side. Like you, you bring up, Sean Baker's perfect calcium score. Vegans are never going to bring that up. They're never going to have an answer to it, right? It goes directly against everything that they believe in. They, they believe that, that meat's going to clog your arteries and kill you. He's directly refuting that. And there's many people who, who have done that as well. So I'm going to say, hey, I, I understand why different things work, right? You attack it from the angle of, uh, I see both sides. I I understand why a vegan diet works. You're giving up like all the processed foods. You're giving up a lot of sugars and all these bad things for you. And you're going very low fat. So you can get away with eating a high carb diet. If you're going very low fat and you're eating very clean whole foods, mm-hmm. right? That's what vegans are kind of showing. And that's what different populations like in Simone and Bolivia or you know, people always bring up the Katavans. Ivor Cummins talks about them, right? They're eating a very heavy starch diet, but very low fat and low protein. So they're just, I'm going to talk about that side. And I'm like, I get it. That's just your biological hack that you shouldn't be doing for a long period of time. And you're not disproving my whole theory. Like I'm, I'm talking more about a framework that, that is just, the, the basics of nutrition, which is saying don't eat high fat and high sugar at the same time, right? High fat and high carb at the same time is like deadly combo. And that's what most people do in the world. And that's why there's so many fat and sick people in the world. So the people on the more keto paleo side are just going high fat and low carb, right? They're doing 
one they're they're avoiding that killer combo of of fuel sources and yeah the katavans and the vegans are doing the other version except their version isn't as good because they're not getting those nutrient dense animal products right so vegans are leaving out the most important part of the diet is those nutrient dense animal products so i'd say if you wanted to do a whole foods plant-based diet with with no sugars or grains or vegetables plus low fat highly nutrient dense animal foods like liver and oysters then you could be healthy right get eat because the liver and the oysters are low fat and they're giving you the protein and the tons of micronutrients and vitamins and minerals you need and then you're getting your fuel from plant-based carbohydrate sources okay that's fine Right, but no one does that because they're they have this moral objection to it, and they're avoiding the most nutrient dense, the like cornerstone of their diet. So that's kind of the position I'm taking. So I'm I'm showing both sides, and all I'm saying is just eat some animal foods, and you'll be fine. Yeah, and if you believe Sarah Pace on on Britcher's interview with her, that maybe those vegans are actually eating some wild salmon. <laughs> yeah, I've, I've heard that from many different people actually over the years that they are getting their, some, some good sort, well-sourced fish or something. <laughs> yeah, but we can neither confirm nor deny that. Yeah. Um, you say you know, your argument's science-based and you know, even what the health they try to throw data at you, but I think to deeper clarify that, it's the strength of the science, it's, it's um, random controlled trials, it's um, clinical uh, pathophysiology from models that backs up the science rather than this massive data plot of f- food frequency questionnaires of what did you eat last year and how, how often. And mm-hmm. oh, maybe if we look at this data and look at this correlation, well then oh, perhaps it's meat that causes causes cancer at, you know, point, 1.2 <laughs> odds ratio, you know, which means nothing yeah. versus when you look at smoking and it's like something like 40. Odds yeah, it's like up to like 38. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, do, you, do you think that's also part of the key is, you know, there's science and then there's, there's stats or do they say lies, lies and statistics or something like that? <laughs> well, yeah, well, the, the problem is epidemiology. That, that's the biggest problem is that nutrition research is really hard. It's, yeah. it's almost impossible. So we have to rely on epidemiology, which is the worst thing to rely on. That, that doesn't show you anything unless it's super obvious and specific like smoking. That's basically the only time that epidemiology really worked, I think. And I talked about this Dr. Georgia Ede. Uh, who's great anyone can check out her website or my podcast with her but she yeah it's like this was obvious there was a one it's like the one intervention like this smoking it was very clear we could quantify it and we saw a gigantic correlation but with everything else we're relying on yeah like just self-reported data just observations a none of this can show causation so i think epidemiology is a huge problem but then it's just it's we don't have that many other options because randomized controlled trials are pretty hard (laughs) in nutrition so 
and that, that's even the criticism that Verda Health gets is that, oh, it's not random, it's, it's an intensive, you know, um, intervention. And I was like, well, yeah, but it works. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, and same, same for Jason Fung, you know. Oh, you have, you've never given any data. It's like, yeah, but I don't have to put these people on dialysis. So what's your, what's your problem? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think, well, yeah, I think at some point all these clinical evidence, I don't know what you call it, they're, an, they're clinical anecdotes. They're beyond the anecdotes, should add up to something. Yeah. Right. At some point when we're, there's like thousands of people all over the world having the same awesome results that should amount to something. So, yeah, mate, I've taken up a lot of your time already. Where do people find you and where do people um, help to get this movie finished, man? Yeah. Yeah. We're on Indiegogo. We're, we're trying to get the last money together needed for, you know, post-production. There's so many costs and, and again, I'm, I'm matching all the money that people put up. So me and my partner, uh, are, are matching everything. So it takes about $150,000 to make a documentary and we've raised 45,000 so far. So we need about 30,000 more from people. And then, I mean, we're, 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 you know, putting it up ourselves to make this happen. So please support us. Indiegogo, go to foodlies.org. Uh, you can, um, listen to the peak human podcast talking to a lot of these experts that are giving me in the film that we've talked about today. Uh, I've done podcasts with them and yeah, just search food lies on social media and I'll be there. Nice. And you, you're, you're very friendly on Twitter. That's how we connected. So um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Come talk to me on Twitter. Uh, ask me some questions and yeah, I love to interact with people for the most part, unless you're a crazy vegan person. <laughs> And, and mate, your latest, your latest tweet you've, you've got out there and shared your, your workout regime. How did that come about? Oh, yeah. Yeah, a lot of people were asking me about my workout. So, yeah, I've, like I was saying before, just simple, you know, 25-minute workout. They're only like 20 minutes, actually, because I, you know, warm up for five minutes. But uh, also people say you can't gain muscle on a ketogenic diet or whatever type of diet. I mean, I don't even call my diet keto. But, uh, yeah, I, I, I mean – I put on muscle in the last five months, so you can watch the video. It's on YouTube. <laughs> yep, I put on two kgs of muscle in the last three months from awesome eating that way too, mate. Um, so we'll, we'll wrap it up there, mate. What what's something that you'd like to leave people with, or do you have uh, any other asks of of the audience, or or, or, or no, 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 no. I mean, just spread the word. But I guess. I'll go out on eat densely, move intensely. Yeah, awesome, <laughs> That's man. That's all you need to know in life, really. Cheers. Thanks so much, Brian. This is wicked to have you on board. Thank you. Awesome. Thank you. How good is that? Eat densely, move intensely. What a uh, good way to summarize how you should be living your life as opposed to the food lies, which pretty much if you've been told it by a government guideline or a health guideline, is probably the opposite. Um, especially if you've seen some conflated data on a vegan movie, um, it might actually not might not be quite so high. Um, Brian, the next day, put up a post on Twitter about how the movie is pretty much founded on a lie. That's conspiracy if you've had the unfortunate um, exposure to that. But anyway, moving on. Hope you enjoyed the episode. I'd love to hear from you. Head over to at Vision on Instagram or our Facebook page, Waikido. You can find all the podcasts there. You can contact me, slide into the DMs, as they say, 
Also, if you want to get your hands on exogenous ketones, you could contact me if you're in New Zealand. Otherwise, if you're in Australia, Canada, US, or Asia, just head straight to waiket0.proveitnow.com and get your hands on exogenous ketones and experience ketosis. That thing that Brian and I were talking about, ketosis, is what they use in VertiHealth to reverse type 2 diabetes. It's what you and I can use to prevent type 2 diabetes, to prevent Alzheimer's, prevent Parkinson's, um, prevent many, many more things, um, maybe cancer even. So yeah, head over to the website, get your hands on exogenous ketones, feel the amazing effects of ketosis, and you too just might want to stay away from the carbs and, and the grains and the, and the orange juice and live a clear, powerful and energized life. Thanks very much for listening. Um, it's awesome getting your feedback, so don't be afraid. And we look forward to bringing you another episode next week. Bloody excited. Cheers.